You're listening to the Rock and Roll Heaven Podcast with LD and TJ. Can you dig that, baby? <laughs> Hey guys, welcome to Rock and Roll Heaven, the podcast where we talk about the lives, careers, and deaths of famous musicians. I am your host, LD, along with me for the ride, as always, is TJ. Oh, hey. Welcome back. Welcome. Oh my gosh, yes. Welcome back. We haven't haven't talked to you guys since October. Did y'all have a good Thanksgiving, November? Did you have a good one? It went by so fast, dude. I have uh, been eating turkey sandwiches since Thursday. (laughs) I do not have that problem. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it was a good Thursday, but... um. We have some stuff to talk about at the top of this show. I'm sure that some of you guys are probably wondering why an episode of Rock and Roll Heaven is dropping on a Wednesday. And that's because this is now our new format. So me and TJ got together and decided that it would be good to bring you guys four solid episodes every month. If there is a fifth week, there will not be an episode. And uh, yeah, that's kind of it. Well, and we flipped it around a little bit too. Instead of the short set at the end of the month, you're going to get the opening act shorter funsy episode at the beginning of the month. And it will usually be the same length as our normal full-on episodes. Eh, close. Close to it. But we needed our monthly break. Yeah, but it's more fun, light-ish. Yeah, ish. It's it's whatever (laughs) we would have normally covered in a short set is now in the opening act. Yes, because as you know... I'm super busy, TJ's super busy, and it just works great for us to have a little bit of extra time during the weekend to be able to edit and record and do all the good stuff and then get it out to you on Wednesday. Because, so, again, this is a DIY effort. There yeah. is no iHeartRadio backing us. Yeah. Although, <laughs> if they want to, they certainly can. Or Spotify. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're here. We are sellouts. A hundred percent, we will sell out. We will sell out immediately for actual production backing us. <laughs> I am still doing this in my extra bedroom. <laughs> yeah, and puppies are hard, yo. I need an intern. Yeah, if you want to be an intern for Rock and Roll Heaven, you can email us at rock and roll heaven lt at gmail dot com. You can. Uh, your duties would be either to do my research for me, and or play with my puppy for me so I can do my own research. <laughs> yeah, see, I think this is a good internship. I think that's a great internship. Yeah. You I get to play good. with a puppy? Yeah. Cool. Play and play and cuddle with dogs? We're, we're accepting resumes right. It doesn't pay anything. Uh it's an internship, but you can tell all your friends. <laughs> but also like I feel like that is the payment. You get to cuddle cute dogs. <laughs> and who doesn't want that? This week <laughs> Because it's December, and I'm a total cynic who hates Christmas. And I am the opposite. She's the complete opposite. Uh, We decided to get together and pick our five favorite Christmas songs. Yes, I am making her get in the spirit. Do you have your Hallmark movie recommendation that we talked about? So I actually haven't watched any of the new ones, but I do have some old ones. That I can reference. Okay. Give, I don't even give, think, me, give me a good one. Give me one good one. I don't even think they air it anymore. Or maybe I just don't find it at the right moments. But there are, there's actually two of them. The Mrs. Miracle movies are superb. I, you, get, you get the mom from Everybody Loves Raymond in there. Patricia as, Heaton? Yes. No. 
Raymond's mom, Doris Roberts. Doris Roberts. Yes. Okay. Doris. So Doris Roberts is in it. So Doris Roberts plays kind of like a nanny. And in the first one, the dad is James Vanderbeek. So, you know, get all your Dawson like flashbacks out of the way. And he is playing, of course, because it's Hallmark, there has to be some something, either single dad, single mom. So he's a single dad to two kids. Can't control it, can't handle it. So Mrs. Merkel slash Mrs. Miracle comes in and kind of pulls a Mary Pop like a Christmas themed Mary Poppins, like but they call her Mrs. Miracle because like all these funny little things happen around her. So she's kind of like a Mary Poppins for Christmas. I'm trigger warning. I'm just going to tell you that sounds like my personal hell. <laughs> I love <laughs> that it. It sounds so like great. how I would be punished in the good place. They are based on a, on novels or on a novel by Debbie McComber because, you know, again, this is Hallmark Channel. What else do you think you get? Get out of here. Well, before you get off the rails, we should get to the episode. Okay, so what is your first Christmas song? I'm just going to make you want to hurl all night, I, I think. I hate this. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so most of these are in no particular order, but the first one is my favorite holiday song, Oh Holy Night. And, uh, you know, if you know me, you know I'm not a super religious person, so I know it seems odd to put Oh Holy Night as my absolute favorite song. But it is. Everybody knows it. It was composed by Adolf Adam in 1847. It's actually to the French poem Minuet. Are you trying to speak French? I am going (laughs) to try to speak French and I'm going to butcher it. We are so sorry to the three people in France. Minuet Christians. I don't know. It's Midnight Christians is the English translation. (laughs) You just said that. Yeah. Sorry. Written by the wine merchant and poet. <laughs> nope. Writ- I'm just going to say it's written by a wine merchant and poet. Is his name French? Yes, it is because he's French. Okay. <laughs> but in both the French and the English version, as well as in many other languages, the text all reflects on the birth of Jesus and on humanity's redemption. And it's just, it's a really powerful song. And it always gives me the chills. And it's one of those things. My grandma, this was her favorite carol. And she would talk about it every year. And she talked about how the one year they all went to church for the Christmas mass. And there was this tenor that was singing, you know, taking the lead. He was singing the song. And he was up there. And he was so powerful that they all got the chills. But when he got to that big crescendo moment, the fall on your knees part, yeah, that's that huge moment in the song. I can't remember the exact details, but she would always tell us it and how the back wall fell or the roof fell in behind him <laughs> because he was so booming and so powerful in that moment that it like really left this huge impression on her. And so then every time... Like, as much as she loved the song, every time she heard it, she always thought about that moment. And I, don't, I think it was something like the church was under construction at the time. And so he just kind of rattled the roof enough that it kind of <laughs> fell in. See, that that would happen if I tried to sing, but it would be so bad that it's just the wood trying to escape the roof. It's <laughs> just trying to run away. <laughs> Fair enough. 
But yeah, so I always loved that story from her. And then, so now I hold this very near and dear to my heart as well. Um, just because of that. It's been covered by 8 million people, in my opinion. The best one was Celine Dion's version. Okay. I really like that version. That's the one I try to emulate whenever I try to sing it. Cool. I mean, it's a good song. And I think Pentatonix did it, and it was really good. Martina McBride did a good version. I mean, you have to really suck as a singer to mess up that song, because it's just so beautiful. I could mess it up. <laughs> I... I'll believe you. Yeah. <laughs> so my number one is All I Want for Christmas is You. And before you collectively roll your me. eyes, <laughs> it's actually not the Mariah Carey version. Really? It's actually the Olivia Olsen version from the movie Love Actually. I was going to say, is it from the from the movie? <laughs> it's from the one Christmas movie that I genuinely like. I've seen that movie. I've seen that movie well over 100 times. I think I've seen it twice. It is, and the, I hate it. <laughs> it is the most. It is eight of the most toxic relationships that anyone can enter into, and the whole film is problematic. But I love it, and they did a great job of encapsulating like what two thousand three music is. Yeah. So I mean, they had Dido and Kelly Clarkson. Of course they did. So, but yeah, Olsen, <laughs> the little girl who actually did the song rose to fame from her role as Joanna Anderson in the 2000 holiday film Love Actually, singing All I Want for Christmas is You. And her singing was praised with director Richard Curtis stating that in the commentary in the music selection of the Love Actually DVD that Olsen's singing was so perfect that they were afraid that the audience would not believe that a 10-year-old could really sing the way that, they, that she did in the film and would assume that she was lip-syncing to Mariah Carey's voice. They actually had to train her so that her singing would be more believable as a 10-year-old, and they had to add the sounds of inhalations to the track. And that actually led her to guest spots on The Ellen Show, The Tracy Morgan Show, and Singing with Jack Black, and my patron saint, Kristen Chenoweth. And uh, she actually (laughs) posted the original song on her YouTube account. And I will just say, I love the Mariah Carey version, but it is musical herpes. Like... (laughs) You go, what? you go, <laughs> you go like 10 and a half months without, and all of a sudden you get an outbreak again. Oh, jeez. <laughs> like every Christmas since it's come out, that's been, but the version that's in Love Actually, it's cute, it's it's super innocent, it's adorable, and the, Olivia Olsen is a great vocalist, and I, it was just a great part of the film, and so because of that, I actually favor her version over Mariah Carey's. All right, then. Yeah, so that's my that's my not my I I didn't put mine in any order, so it's not my number one pick. But I just started with my number one. That's a, it's all right. Yeah, okay. but the, the rest of these are in no particular order. Got it. So what's uh, number two for you? So I kind of cheat because I get it's from another Christmas movie that I adore. Oh, uh, go ahead. <laughs> well, you got a Christmas movie in there. Get out of here. <laughs> and then. Also, it's kind of a twofer song information. Oh, is it We Will Rock You and We Are the Champions? No. Okay. Then I'm out. Not a Christmas song. (laughs) Doesn't fit the episode. So this song is called Snow. And if you've ever seen the classic Christmas movie, White Christmas. Have not. Well, all right, fine. But many people (laughs) out there have. It's in that movie. And I love it. And most people would say White Christmas, the namesake for the movie, which 
Fun fact on that one, and I'll talk about that when we do the episode later in the month. When it came out as a single, White Christmas, not Snow, when it came out as a single, they sold so many so fast that they had to keep repressing albums to a point where they actually lost some of the original recording. Oh, wow. And so now what you mostly hear is them having to kind of go in and cover where they wore it out, basically. They wore out the recording. So I cheated a little bit. I just had to throw that one in there. But for Snow, so all the songs in White Christmas were written by Irving Berlin, actually. The song Snow was originally written for Call Me Madam with the title Free, but was dropped in out-of-town tryouts. So I think that was a, I think Call Me Madam was probably a Broadway show or something at the time. That sounds like. Sounds about right. Yeah, that sounds about right. I did a quick research. I didn't do too much digging. But the melody and some of the words were kept for Snow, the version that made it into White Christmas, but the lyrics were changed to be more appropriate for the Christmas movie. For example, one of the lines in the original song is free, the only thing worth fighting for is to be free. Free, a different world you'd see if it were left to me. And that changes to snow, I want to wash my hands and face with snow, kind of thing. Yeah. Huh. I think I must, I think I probably messed that up, whatever, but <laughs> you get the idea. And so it's just basically a love song to snow. And I've grown to care for it more over the years like white christmas was something that we always watched in my house every single year like my mom my mom me mom my mom my grandma and i every year watch that movie it's filled with great songs and great numbers but um especially now being in california i long for the snow probably not as bad as they've gotten it this past week but i but some days in especially around the holidays (laughs) so that's my second pick i like snow not the song, I've never heard that. <laughs> but I like the weather if I'm inside with a coat. I actually think you'd <laughs> like the song because it is very Broadway musically in its inception. Yeah, I don't actually know if our general listeners actually know how much I adore Broadway musicals. Yeah, it's like a lot, it's, guys. It's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a lot. It's just like two steps behind Queen. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> She's constantly playing me. <clears throat> songs from musicals like all the time i just want her to love them like me <laughs> so my second one is probably one that everybody knows which is santa baby by eartha kit that is a good one i will say when i saw it on your list i was like thank you but that's yeah. all right i got plenty more where that where i love all the christmas songs can we just put that out there like this is a really hard list for me to make this is not hard for me to make i'm singing a, <laughs> i'm singing in a showcase at the end of the month for christmas it's a holiday like showcase charity fundraiser thing right and the guy is like okay so text me pick two songs that you want to sing and then one backup or something and text me i'm like oh god can i get back to you like it's really tough to pick guys really hard for me to just pick two it, this was not hard for me. This was very difficult. So for picking me. picking Santa Baby just kind of shows you what of a Christmas cynic I am, because I I feel like we've lost the point of Christmas. Sometimes, yeah, that's I'm why actually, I like watching the Hallmark Christmas movies. Well, <laughs> I like getting I like getting to hang out with my mom and my dad and my brother, and it's awesome. And then you know we switch and go to Will's family's 
and it's great, but I'm seriously considering just getting an air horn this year. And if anybody mentions anything political, just blowing it and then running out of the room. Oh, absolutely. So, Christmas is not a time for <laughs> politics. But I'm just such a cynic when it comes to Christmas. And that's why like, I also don't like romantic comedies. There's like four that I like and all of them are based on evil deeds. <laughs> See, then I feel like that's probably why you don't enjoy the Hallmark Christmas movies the way that I do. Yeah. Because uh, they're pretty much all romantic comedies, unless they're romantic dramas. Yeah, but Santa Baby embraces that cynicism. Uh, If you guys don't know, which I would be shocked, but it's it's such a great song. It's a it was a 1953 Christmas song written by Joan Javis, and apparently she's the niece of Senator Jacob K. Javis and Philip Springer, originally sung by Eartha Kitt. The song is tongue in cheek takes a look at Christmas list addressed to Santa Claus by a woman who wants extravagant gifts such as sables, yachts, and decorations from Tiffany's. I freaking love that song. Yeah, it was originally recorded, like I said, by Eartha Kitt with, it's, I don't know if it's Henri René or Henry René, but there's some slashes in his name. So, And uh, his orchestra in New York City in July of 1953 and released by RCA Victor Records uh, and EMI on his master's voice label, which I have never heard of. And the song was a huge success for Kit, and she's, she later said that that was one of her favorite songs to record. She reprised it in 1954 uh, in a film called New Faces, and she recorded a new version of the songs with a new lyrics titled This Year's Santa Baby to no commercial success. Kit then re-recorded the original song for Nap Recordings in like 10 years later in 1963, using more of an up-tempo arrangement. And this song has been recorded, like covered, by a number of artists, including Madonna, which I do not like. No, I don't like her version. I prefer Eartha Kitt's original version. Yeah, me too. Kylie Minogue redid it. And then Madonna's rendition for the 1987 charity album A Very Special Christmas is based on the later version of Eartha Kitt, released in 1963, 10 years after the first original. So there's it's convoluted, but basically Madonna covered Eartha Kitt's own cover yes with the upbeat tempo and so weird (laughs) but there's a there's something that's crazy out there which people sometimes think that this song was covered by Marilyn Monroe which she never did no because uh she was dead by the time it was written yeah I appreciate this song because it kind of embraces the materialism and cynicism of Christmas so that's that's where I come on that (laughs) it's like this girl Puts no bones out about it. She's like, this is what I want. And this has nothing to do with family or religious beliefs or a a wee babe in a manger. Just give me jewelry and things to keep me warm when it's cold. Yeah. So that's my second one. Yeah. Cars, yachts. Give me a ring and I don't mean on the phone. Yeah. Which is one of my favorite lines. I don't mean on, on the, the phone, Santa baby. So hurry down the chimney tonight. Oh, that was good. That was really good. I'm going to keep that in. <laughs> I'm All right. To... All right. Anyway. Number three. I can't help it. It's stuck in my head now. All right. Again, I'm getting sappy. I'll be home for Christmas. Do you think I want to go home for Christmas this year? I, f- I miss the I snow. I feel like you do. And the, yeah. Um... Yeah, so it's a huge song, obviously. A hundred million people have sang it. It was originally written by lyricist Kim Gannon and composer Walter Kent and recorded in 1943 by Bing Crosby. And this is not intentional. 
that I have two Bing Crosby's in here. Not intentional at all, but it happened. So maybe we should just put a spoiler warning. Uh, skip ahead if you don't know that in three episodes we're going to be doing Bing Crosby. Yeah. So because <laughs> I felt it appropriate for the Christmas season. I actually think that you're going to find this really interesting. It was originally written to honor soldiers overseas who long to be home at Christmas time. I'll be home for Christmas has gone on since obviously to become a standard like it. Everybody's saying it. Everybody plays it every year. It's, you know, it's for originally for soldiers, but it's become that kind of anthem for anybody that's not home at the holiday. And then because I know you miss them because it's been a whole month. I've got a fun fact. Oh, boy. In December 1965, astronauts Frank Borman and Jim Lovell, while on Gemini 7, requested I'll Be Home for Christmas be played for them by the NASA ground crew. See, now that I find interesting. See, that's kind of cool. It was in space. Yeah. Well, I figured you'd find all of that interesting, but uh, apparently only half of it. (laughs) We are talking about Christmas. Yeah, but these are like the heartstring pieces, not the fluffy. I have no heart. Black Friday crap. I know it's really hard <laughs> that we're recording this right after all of that mayhem and stupid and like commercial. But hey, it is still Cyber Monday when we're recording this. I know. Don't remind me. Hey, I like tomorrow giving Tuesday. No, oh, nice. So my third one is Hard Candy Christmas by Dolly Parton. It's my sweet, sweet. <laughs> My sweet, sweet, trashy patron saint. I love it. Dolly. I love me some Dolly. So Hard Candy Christmas is a song written by composer and lyricist Carol Hall for the musical. And this is the name of the musical. So I'm sorry, but it's the best little whorehouse in Texas, which my me and my mom actually sat down and watched. And it was one of the first things that I ever saw Dolly in. So I have that memory. See, there you go. Um, so originally, <laughs> Broadway musical. So, <laughs> Jeez. Uh, near the end of the original play, individuals of the girls of the brothel sing lines of the verses as they are preparing to leave once the brothel gets shut down. They join together on the refrains. And this pattern was adopted for the film version of the musical, except that Dolly, who plays Miss Mona, is featured as a soloist on the refrains. And the girls actually accompany her. So a further alteration can be found on the soundtrack album, where Dolly sings the verses alone. So it's just her vocals. Also, side note, the the duet that she has with Burt Reynolds in that, Sneaking Around, is possibly one of my favorite songs in Broadway history. Just of all musicals, it is just so darn joyful. Dolly's version of the song was the one that was released as a single in 1982, reaching number eight on the U.S. singles charts. In January of 1983. January? That's how long a Christmas song is. That is, that is, no, no. This is the, Christmas music should not start until after Thanksgiving. Stop spilling in to, and then Hallmark, no. No Hallmark, no. I disagree. Anyway, so it actually re-entered the country charts, peaking at number 73, Based on unsolicited airplay, which makes me feel like there was still payola happening if they actually put that in the article that I pulled this from. Like payola was still like unsolicited airplay. They're not expressly a Christmas song, 
The recording received some airplay on country stations around the holidays season during the 1980s and 1990s. She also performed the song on Bob Hope's Christmas special in 1988 and during the late 90s when RCA reissued the 1984 holiday album with Kenny Rogers, Once Upon a Christmas, Dolly's recording of Hard Candy Christmas was added to the track list. 1997, the song was covered by RuPaul on the album Ho Ho Ho. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Featuring Michelle, Michelle Visage and Barbara Mitchell. The song has also been recorded by indie rocker Dan Bark. Oh, I'm going to get letters about that. And former Sixpence None the Richer vocalist Leah Nash on their respective 2006 releases Christmas Recordings and Wishing for This. So I'm just going to list off a couple other people who might surprise you actually covered it. One was the Venture Brothers, released in 2005. June Carter performed it uh, in 1982. In 2012, Tracy Thorne recorded a version. 2014, Leanne Rimes recorded a version. 2015, which might be one of my favorite like side notes, Cindy Lauper recorded a cover of the song for her 2016 album Detour as a duet with Alison Krauss, who has... The voice of an angel. Alison Krauss is gorgeous. Agreed. And then in 2016, of course, my other wonderful countrywoman, Reba McIntyre, recorded a cover of the song yeah. for her 2016 album, My Kind of Christmas. And uh, yeah, so that's one of, seriously, one of my favorite Christmas songs. Even though it's technically not a Christmas song, and the movie that it comes from has basically the word sex worker in the title. <laughs> so... <laughs> There you go, guys. That was my third one. What's your fourth? My fourth. I go back to Sappy again. Oh, crap. It's the Christmas song, a.k.a. Chestnuts Roasting on an Open Fire. Ah, okay. Or as it was originally subtitled, Merry Christmas to You. Classic Christmas song written in 1945 by Robert Wells and Mel Torme. And I can't help it. Like... I get nostalgic at Christmas, and I think that's why I love it so much, is it's just that feeling that I get at the holiday that I can't avoid. But I did do, I did find a little fun story from Mel Torme about the writing of this song. According to Torme, the song was written during a blistering hot summer in an effort to stay cool by thinking cool. The most performed, which that's according to BMI, Christmas song was born. To quote, I saw a spiral pad on his, Wells's piano, with four lines written in pencil. Torme recalled, they started chestnuts roasting, Jack Frost nipping, yuletide carols, folks dressed up like Eskimos. Bob didn't think he was writing a song lyric. He said that he thought if he could immerse himself in winter, he could cool off. 40 minutes later, that song was written. I wrote all the music and some of the lyrics. So that's just the little story from Mel Torme recalling when that song was written. And it was never meant to be a song, but it became one and it became a Christmas classic. Nice. Yeah. That's, that's legit when I think of Christmas. That's actually like where my brain goes is that song. I absolutely adore that song. I know that's one that I'm picking for that showcase thing. I don't know what the second one is yet. All right, so my number four <laughs> could not be more different than your number four. Mine is Oi to the World. What? <laughs> so Oi to the World is actually 
not originally by No Doubt, which is a ska band, which I'm sure you guys know, but it's by No Doubt. And that's that was the original version that I heard. But it's actually a Christmas album by the Southern California punk rock band, The Vandals. It was actually released in 1996 by their label Kung Fu Records. Uh, but it was also re-released in 2000 with altered artwork and bonus tracks. It was the band's sixth full-length studio album and presented holiday-themed songs written and performed with tongue-in-cheek humor for which the band is known. But now you guys probably know, if you do know the song, because TJ didn't know the song, but if you do know the song, it is a ska version of a Christmas song. And it was kind of cool. Yeah, it's a, it's a fun song, and I'll actually end the episode with that song because it's it's really really fun but because kung fu records itself had been formed in 1996 and at this point it was still a small record label the original pressings of the albums is somewhat limited and it remains relatively obscure for several years the band's major studio albums at this time were being released by nitro records and the vandals if you know anything about like the southern california ska scene a lot of the bands are pretty chill with each other like they they intermingle and it's a really it's a really cool community, in my opinion. Correct me if I'm wrong. But so they the Vandals maintained a close friendship with their fellow Orange County band, No Doubt, who covered the album's title track, Oi to the World, for the Christmas compilation, A Very Special Christmas Three in nineteen ninety seven. I love that album. But don't ever tell anyone I said that. I'll deny it to my grave. Except for all of our listeners <laughs> that just heard that. Shh. <laughs> that was just TJ doing LD. <laughs> Partly thanks to their exposure brought on by the association with No Doubt, fans' interest in Oi to the World increased, and in 2000, uh, Kung Fu Records, which by now had grown in size, re-released the album with new artwork and a uh, bonus overture, as well as a new intro for the title track. So it's a fun, funky ska version of a Christmas song, and I like it because... It tells the story of these two rival gangs who get together on Christmas Day and decide that they are going to have, what is that called? Not It's not a fight, but it's when gangs, like, uh, oh God, it's like mentioned in Greece, a rumble. Oh, rumble. They're going to have a rumble, okay. and so they, they, they have a rumble, and basically the two gang leaders are left alone when the cops show up, and they're like, ah, oh, this sucks. And so they're like, we should be friends. And then they do. Christmas Miracle. <laughs> All right, then. And that's the story of Oi to the World. But it's a fun song. I love it. Fair enough. All right. What is your, f what is your fifth favorite Christmas song? I had to throw one in to be fun. Because while my favorites tend to be traditional, I had to throw one in for fun. And I really had a hard time picking which one it was going to be. Is it Dominic the Italian Christmas Donkey? No. Oh my God, that's like one of the best Christmas songs ever. I don't know that one. I know. Oh my God. I know the the claymation Nestor, the long-eared Christmas donkey. I've never heard this other one that you're I'm talking not, I'm about. I'm not going to play it for you now, but I'm, I'm going to find it for you. Oh my God. Will will be so excited that I'm explaining this to you. My last favorite that I'm going to throw out there into the world is I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus. <laughs> I don't like infidelity. That's I so understand bad. that, but the song is so cute because it also doesn't imply infidelity. It implies the kid thought 
that mom was being unfaithful kissing Santa Claus, but it's really the dad dressed as Santa. What is the point of the father dressing as Santa if he's not going to be there for the kid? Well, he was there for the kids, and they thought that the kid went to bed, but he snuck and saw them kissing. It's, this, this is so and problematic. So he, thought that, <laughs> so he thought that mom's cheating on dad with Santa Claus. Oh, man. I thought mom called a divorce lawyer. Stop it. <laughs> Oh, my God, I love that song. I can still, like, remember riding in my dad's truck when I was really little and listen- and hearing that for the first time and being like, oh, what? Why is why is there mommy kissing Santa Claus? What about Mrs. Claus? Like, I was so upset for Mrs. Claus. Screw that kid and his parents. I was upset for Mrs. Claus. Uh, but, you know, whatever. The music and lyrics, they're written by British songwriter Tommy Connor. And the song has been recorded by a lot of different people, but the most famous version was attributed to the Jackson 5. So it was between that and I Want a Hippopotamus for Christmas. But they're both good. Like I say, I still remember riding around singing that song with my dad in his truck at Christmas time. Well, my fifth and final song is... Probably the greatest Christmas song ever laid down on paper because it was written by Tom Petty. Oh, I know this one. And it's Christmas All Over Again by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. So Tom Petty says, and forgive me if I butcher this name, Jimmy Ivan had been after me since I don't know when because he had done one very special Christmas album already and I never came through for him. I didn't want to do someone else's song. To me and Mike Campbell, there's only one Christmas album in the pop field, and that's Phil Spector's. That was the only one that we could relate to. That really sounds like Christmas to me. So we thought that we would do something like that, like 18 guys, cut it all live. And the funny thing is, I wrote the song on a ukulele, and George Harrison had come by and given me a ukulele and spent a whole afternoon teaching me the chords. The ukulele is a really cool instrument, even though it doesn't have that image. I I heard a, a podcaster actually say that, uh, the only people that should play a ukulele is a 300-pound man because it's adorable. 300-pound Hawaiian man. Yes. There are too many Zoe Deschanel's in this world. <laughs> I took the ukulele with me to my house in Florida in the middle of the summer and wrote this Christmas song. When I got back, we had rehearsals with the Heartbreakers, and I think that Howie Epstein was out of town, so Scott Thurston was playing the bass. When I told Jimmy what I wanted to do, he said, Wow, okay. So he booked all the musicians And there is a really good film that is quite long of us doing that session. And you'll see the whole thing. Me taking five people aside at a time and teaching them their part. And then going for the next four and teaching them. We had a harp and a harpsichord. Jim Keltner and Stan playing drums as well as the percussionist. We had two bass players, four acoustic guitars. Just crazy S going on. Michael on the 12th string. It was a lot of fun, but when I finished it, it was pretty much a mess. I called Jeff Lynn and he came to help me redo the lead vocals and just tidy it up a little bit. I think that Jeff had a good idea for a stop at one point where we put a long drum fill in that really made it happen. And I've always been happy because every Christmas I do hear it on the radio and I really like it. That's a cool story. It's just like everybody, like 18 got, they had a harp. Yeah. They had a harp. No one has harps and a harpsichord. It isn't another Christmas movie that I really like, which is Home Alone 2. 
because that one stars Tim Curry. And as we all know, Tim Curry is a god, period, end of sentence. <laughs> all right, then. And so that's, that song is in Home Alone 2, and I think that's probably like one of the first times I heard it. But I really was into the Very Special Christmas albums that came out. And uh, that also had like, I think Aaron Neville did Ave Maria for one of them. And that's where I found Oil to, Oil to the World. And there's a lot of really good versions of Christmas songs on those albums, which is like more in tune with kind of what I like to listen to. So you're going to laugh at me. One of my favorite Christmas compilation albums that I ever bought, and I still look for it in my stuff every year. I don't know if I still have it, but it was one of my favorites once upon a time. It was actually a Victoria's Secret Christmas compilation album, but it was great. It had like Santa Baby and it had one of my other favorites that almost made the list. That's called um, What Are You Doing New Year's Eve? Okay. Yeah. Great song. Great, 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 great song. Um, Yeah, it had it. It was a great little mix and I miss it when I can't find it. I have to try to find it this year. It's a really good one. Well, I think those are some some really good Christmas songs on those lists. And see, we did this in under like an hour and a half. So I'm really proud of ourselves. But now for something fun for our listeners. You are now officially engaged in Whamageddon. <laughs> I am throwing down the proverbial gauntlet to anyone who wishes to play Whamageddon. And if you follow us on Instagram or Twitter, please let us know that uh, you did lose or win. Either way, I actually won this last year. I don't know how I did it. But I think it was the fact that I listened. I don't to- know how you did either. I think it's because if I go to like Target or Walmart or whatever, I always wear my own headphones because I just don't want I just won't want to talk to anybody. And so I think that's how I. <laughs> nice how- way to go. I think that's how I got through it. But basically, here are the rules for Whamageddon. Rule one: We do not talk about Whamageddon. See, I did a fun uh-huh, thing there. Fight yeah, okay. club. <laughs> All right, rule number one is the the objective is to go as long as possible without hearing Wham's Christmas classic, Last Christmas. The second rule is the game starts on December 1st, so it started on Sunday. We will give you guys a three-day grace period. So starting for you guys Thursday. Starting right now. Right now. Right at this point. The game starts on December 1st and ends at midnight on December 24th. So at 12.01, you're safe. And you can play it over and over and over Blast again it if all you, you miss want. it. Third rule, and this is important, only the original version applies. Enjoy remixes, covers, your friend singing it, it being stuck in your head, whatever. Totally fine. It has to be Wham's version of Last Christmas. Rule number four, you are out as soon as you recognize the song. And as soon as you are out, please head over to our Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram page and let us know that you are out. I will be posting this on our Instagram, so if you do lose, just go ahead and drop a comment on that. And then the bonus rule, post on social media with the hashtag Whamageddon when you get hit. Now, we can't stop you from deliberately sending your friends to Whamhalla. The intention of the game is survival, not a battle royale, so don't be a dick, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Because I could have, at the end of this episode, blasted you guys with Wham's Last Christmas, but then I would be out, TJ would be out, and all of you guys would be out. But I'm not evil, so 
Have fun with Whamageddon, guys. I might be evil. Challenge your friends. Don't be evil. (laughs) So that was our episode. Thank you guys so much for checking us out. Check us out next week. I don't really want to give away what we're doing, but it will be a two-part episode. But uh, it does have roots in the date of December 8th. So if you know anything about rock history, you should have the inside track on what our episode is going to be about. If you think we're doing an amazing job and you want to give us money, you can go to our Patreon at patreon.com backslash rock and roll heaven. You can go to Twitter at rock and roll LT. You can find us on Facebook at rock and roll heaven pod. You can check us out on Instagram at rock and roll heaven LT. Still not saying our website. And you can email us at rock and roll heaven LT at gmail.com. Again, thank you guys so much for checking this out. We'll see you next week. Hey, TJ. Yeah. Do you hear what I hear? <laughs> is it me about to play you snow i don't want to i don't want to hear this yes you do <laughs> all right i'll listen to snow you have to listen to dominic the italian christmas donkey fine fine all right okay, bye, bye. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.